this is Adam from Welland, Ontario, Canada, and you're listening to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. Alright, here we go. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tam Jensi. Tim, how are you, sir? I'm doing pretty good. Only one more week of that damn sleep study to go, and then we're all done. I was going to say, man, how did the sleep study go the other day? So what they had me do was, uh, I had to go in Tuesday during the Sens game, and they did uh, some more physical testing. Okay. And yeah, what they were doing was uh, it was it was interval, so they'd ramp it up to between about two miles an hour and six miles an hour. Oh, okay. And then I just keep up with it for about. I was supposed to go for an hour, but uh, my hip gave out after about thirty. Oh, crazy! You pulled a whole thirty minutes. Yeah. Well, I did a bunch. I used to do karate back in high school, and uh, I landed weird on both hips and did hip pointers on both of them. Ooh, that's never good, man. Yeah, and I think it was the it, the the stop and the stopping and starting because instead of like gently ramping like ramping me up and ramping me down, it was like up down. So it was oh, like a hard good, speed man. up and a hard slow down. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that was just rough on my hips. Oh well, I could totally imagine that, man. Now, I mean, granted, I. I didn't do karate like you did, but I did do judo when I was younger, and granted, I think I'd be better at it now because I've lost so much weight since then, but yeah, honestly, it was not for me. It's fun stuff, um, but yeah, the hard thing was it was just like, we did some mixed judo into the with the karate, right? so it was all the throw, like uh, with judo, it's a lot of uh, controlled, thro- controlled throws, takedowns, and uh, ground management. Okay. And I remember we did, like, that one time, uh, I decided to get fancy and do a flying takedown. Right. And uh, the person didn't fall the way I expected them to, so my leg was supposed to kind of catch them up and use that to brace both of us. Right. But their leg just wasn't there because they fell awkwardly. Oh, Jesus. So then I just landed on my hip. You know what a lot of wrestling fans would say at a time like that? What? Butched! <laughs> All right, so let's get into last week's episode. Did you get a chance to listen to it, Tim? It was pretty okay. Yeah, I thought it was not too bad. Yeah, it's just... I don't know, those Leafs episodes are always hard to do. Oh, for sure. Now, I know we talked about it a little bit last week. Now that it's been a week since we've done it. What did you think of that intro? I mean, that was probably one of the better things that we've done here on the show. I did like the mash. The Monster Mash? Yeah. Excellent. That's good to hear, man. Honestly, I do like some of the the Simpsons jokes that we've been going on for a while. Oh, for sure. I know I was going to go with the one if... Oh, God, I can't remember what episode it was. Uh, Do you remember the one where... I can't remember if it was Lisa or Bart got the, the Al Gore book, and it went through all the computers, and the one guy ran to the office going, Mr. Vice President, somebody bought a copy of your book, sir. 
Well, this calls for a celebration. <laughs> I was going to do that, but I figured, nah. Someone's listening to your podcast. Well, this calls for a celebration. <laughs> when we get over 50 listeners, we'll pull that one out. Oh, for sure. <laughs> now, Tim, you know that I usually ask you how your week has been, but I am under the impression that your significant other had a pretty good week. Mm-hmm. Would you like to share what happened, Tim? Uh, yeah, she received an offer from University of Calgary. Well, awesome, man. That's that's so great to hear. Mm-hmm. See, Tim, I told you everything was going to work out for Chelsea. <laughs> eh, we'll still see how things go. Well, you know, I mean, I hope all goes well for her, regardless. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I was going to tell you a little bit about my week, because, honestly, my week has been okay. I uh, got to Sunday, which at the time of this recording is yesterday, and I decided I'm going to go on the actual ice and try out my skates. Oh, dear. I almost fell on my ass as soon as I got on the ice. Yup. Now... Now you got it. Now, get, now granted, it's been the first time in like six years I've actually skated on real ice. So, you know, but once wow. I got it going, you know, I was I was pretty good. I felt confident out there. Uh, still sort of trying to figure out how to stop. Um, you know, I'm not Connor McDavid or Eric Carlson out there, but at best, you know, I'm somewhat average. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember... Uh... Honestly, I haven't been on arena ice in probably about as long. Like, it's mostly just been pond stuff. <coughs> yeah, did uh, you see that a lot of people were skating on the... Was it the canal or whatever the other river there is in Ottawa yesterday? It's the canal, yeah. Yeah, did you, you must have saw that photo, eh? All the people that are out there. Yeah, for Winterlude, it's nuts. I'm going to be back in Ottawa next weekend if the skateway is open and the ice quality is decent. I might just take my skates with me. Oh, that's awesome, man. Now, we are going to talk a little bit about that next week, and we're not going to mention why you're going to be in Ottawa, so we're going to let that stew for the next week, and then we will reveal on Season 1, Episode 22, the insert the Chris player Kelly here. episode. That's a good one, Chris Kelly. Actually, you know what? That would be good one. He's the captain of Team Canada. Mm-hmm. I haven't been watching the National Hockey. How has it been? No idea. Haven't watched it either. I like Chris Kelly. You know what? I, really I found out a buddy of mine superstars. actually knows Chris Kelly. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, he said his brother's a dick, but Chris Kelly's a good guy. You always kind of heard from just the players and people close to the organization that Chris Kelly was a, he was a good guy and... Uh, even Brian, like Brian Murray, tried to do well by him when he traded him to Boston. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess the uh, only other thing left this week is uh, actually Chelsea and I found a really good restaurant in Calgary when we went for Valentine for Valentine's Day. Okay, where, which restaurant is this? It's uh, called Nico's Bistro down in a fancy neighborhood called Kensington. And it's yeah, that's regular. across the river from where you guys are, isn't it? Yes. Okay, I remember when you were on the MSS Colin show, you were talking about Kensington. I was? <laughs> yeah, I remember uh, Neil asked you where in Calgary you live. He says you said West Calgary, just across the river from Kensington. Okay, yeah. So uh, instead of doing the regular fare, they had a five 
they had a five-course meal. Okay. Yeah, it was really good. Like, the overall theme was Italian, but just the different ways they were attacking it for each uh, course was just super interesting and really well done. Oh, that's awesome to hear, man. Yeah, like, most out of left field was, I think it was the third course was, uh, it was a, t- it was a calamari and, like, uh, a lemon tomato sauce with, uh, cream, with, uh, prawns in a cream sauce. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was really well done. Oh, awesome. And then there was a gnocchi after that. What is a gnocchi? Oh, gnocchi is, uh, it's Russian potato pasta. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've never tra- heard of that before. I like it. Chelsea thinks it's kind of weird because it's re- it is really it's kind of like squishy in a starchy way. I'm trying to think of like, uh, and they they come out like little dough balls. Okay. Yeah, that you put pasta sauce on. Hmm, that's awesome to hear, man. Yeah, I like it a lot. And then for dinner, we, it, the main course was uh, prime rib and uh, chicken par- and like a really well done chicken parm. Well, yeah, I mean you can never go wrong with that, Tim. No. And then for dessert, they had, like, uh, mango-flavored, uh, what the hell, crepes with uh, vanilla ice cream inside and a glass of, uh, it was Prosecco, right, honey? Huh? What was the wine? Prosecco. Prosecco, there we go. Hi, Chelsea. <laughs> I needed to get the boss's opinion. Well, Tim, that's great to hear that your Valentine's Day went so well. And now it's time to segue into this little segment I like to call Top of the Hour. Nice. So, Tim, you recall a few episodes ago we were discussing former enforcer Stephen Pete and yep. his battle with drug addiction and all of the problems he's having with CTE syndrome. Well, CBC News did a story on former enforcer Stephen Pete. The story discussed Pete's current homelessness. Uh, from the article that I read, he's currently living in the Fraser Valley. In his truck. Yep. And uh, he's been kind of in and out of hospitalizations. And it's interesting. Well, for sure. Apparently he was uh, in a rehab here in Vancouver Island a couple years ago. Huh. That's actually kind of crazy. What I thought was interesting was that they did make note of uh, services that the NHL does offer. I was going to say. And, I mean, the article goes on to talk about his battle with drug addiction, the CTE syndromes that he's suffering from and despite pete's father being a being critical of the nhl in their efforts steven has stated that the league is trying to help which is really funny because over you know in the several stories that we've talked on top of the hour we always talk about the nhl pa and the nhl not doing anything like i don't know does this just contradict everything that we've ever talked about here on the show or is it just a one-time or one-off sort of scenario well it could just be whatever the nhl is doing just it's not in the place where it's actually able to help people or it's not well, like the service exists, but it's not well known about, or it's hard to access. Yeah. I'm, I, you can't quote me on this. I'm not sure if they're allowed to discuss it, but I know like the one guy who runs it. I mean, he's helped so many people from Theo Fleury, Mike Richards, uh, Jarrett Stoll, I think was one of them. And now with Stephen Pete, now, understandably, he's not on the same level of talent as those three gentlemen are, but he's still an NHLer regardless. Hmm. Yeah, and I guess the other thing is, is it's hard because there's, I guess, there's a difference of what's available to players who are under contract and not under contract, and uh, 
there may be team cultures and team rules that also interfere with people being able to seek out help. Oh, for sure. Yeah, but hopefully, uh, as this as we become more aware of what exactly CTE does to people, the NHL's uh, systems to help players and former players become more robust. Absolutely. Let's head on to our next story. The NHL did a fan vote on the greatest team in NHL history. The fans voted on the 1984-1985 Edmonton Oilers as the greatest team in league history. Now, look, my initial thoughts when I read this was, um, yeah, I think the 1976 Montreal Canadiens might have something to say with that, with their 132 points in the regular season and a Stanley Cup. And I believe that they only lost eight games, eight or nine games that season. And you look at their roster. I mean, they had Guy Lafleur, Sir Savard, Larry Robertson, Ken Dryden. Oh, Jesus. I mean, S- Steve Schott. I mean, you go down the list of the amount of players that they have on that team. But I also argue of the mid to late 90s, early 2000s Detroit Red Wing teams. When you look at some of the teams that they had with Iserman, Shanahan, Fedorov, Lidstrom, you know, oh, gee, Keith Primo. I mean, you look at these teams... And what's terrifying is even the modern Tampa Bay Lightning could, like, once they get some cups, they'll be in that discussion, too. Oh, for sure. Now, like, do you agree with this on the 84-85 Oilers? I think a lot of it had to do with, uh, this was one of Gretzky's 200-point seasons, and, you know, they were just destroying teams left and right. But if you adjust the numbers to modern day, I really don't see the 84-85 Oilers being the greatest team of all time. Uh, and I don't know, I don't, I don't think there's really an academic way to sort out who the best team was, because at some point it does become suggested, like even, uh, the way that points get adjusted. Yeah. And I mean, there's... you also got to factor in, um, the eras in which these teams played, right? Mm-hmm. Where, I mean, and in that's... the 1980s, a goalie with a 90, save percentage could win a Vesna. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Martin Brodeur looked, was considered one of the best around and he had like a point ninety. Yeah, but you know what? He has three cups and all those trophies to back it up, bud. Yeah, no kidding. But, uh, like, just, yeah, pucks were going in left, right, and center. And that's why it's just rough to do any sort of adjustment. I guess you could probably run some sort of seasonal adjustment algorithm. Mm -hmm. But that would be that would be fraught with its own uh, computational problems just coming kind of from a numbers perspective, like a pure numbers perspective. A lot of the adjustments that you see, like I've seen adjustments that adjust Gretzky's point totals higher as, as a time period adjustment. And I find that a little odd. So I don't know. I don't really care. No, I don't care either, but still, I mean, when the fans vote on this team and I'm not going to lie, I think it's a great team too, but you also got to factor in the era in which they played, right? And I'm, I will always say, you know, you could look at the 96 Red Wings when they had 62 wins. You had, could look at the 2002 Red Wings with, like I said, Iserman, Shanahan, Lidstrom, Brett Hall, Luke Robitaille, Dominic Hasek. Like, Sean Avery. Sean Avery. Look at all the Hall of Famers <laughs> on that team. And I mean, you look at the 84-85 Oilers, like, okay... I can count on my probably by one hand the amount of Hall of Famers. Let's see. Gretzky, Messier, Curry, Anderson, Coffey, Grant Fuhr. Uh, who else would be in that team? Oh, I was going to say Kevin Lowe. So there's six right there. 
compared to the Detroit Red Wings of the early 2000s, which, like I said, had all those Hall of Famers. Yeah, and then they were coached by Glenn Sather, right? Yeah. Yeah. But what's funnier is the big hullabaloo they made about raising that banner. Yeah, honestly, nah, I, I have no opinion on the matter. Oh, it's just kind of funny where it's like, haven't been to the Stanley Cup playoffs since 2006. Closest thing they have to a real banner. Yeah, pretty much, man. But then again, we're no better. No. Sticking with the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, Edmonton Oilers 2013 third-round pick Bowden Yakimov signed a two-year extension with Nick Nemeka. I don't, don't even know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. In the... KHL. He was loaned to the KHL for the 2015-2016 season after playing half a season in the American Hockey League. This is another reason why a lot of NHL teams just aren't drafting Russian players anymore because, and we've talked about here on the show with uh, Shepakoinov, the kid from with the Vegas Golden Knights, and we say how a lot of the Russian players, they don't adjust well in the early years to the smaller ice surface than they would have over in the more open Olympic style ice arenas. Mm-hmm. And I guess it also doesn't help that most of their teammates don't speak Russian. No. And, and I know a lot of people dumped on nail Yakupov, but from what I understand, I mean, Yakupov was also a guy who, I mean, you, I don't know. You got to really feel for the guy because he comes over to North America. He doesn't speak English. Nobody on the team speaks Russian. And so maybe he feels like kind of a loner on the team. Mm-hmm. And apparently and you hear stories that he never hung around with the team. He was just sort of a loner hung up by himself. Well, no shit. Nobody else on the team speaks Russian. Of course he's going to feel left out on the team. And then uh, kind of if we could take a quick word about uh, the organization in Bakersfield, uh, Ed, sorry, Edmonton's AHL team, uh, they they have very few uh, of Edmonton's actual forward prospects left on that team. Mm-hmm. Like, it's amazing that this team, like the Edmonton Oilers, outside of their gifted picks, have just been so terrible at drafting. Yeah, because, I mean, you look at guys like, uh, who can we look at? Tyler Pitlick was one of them, and... Ah, Jesus Christ. Uh, Why am I drawing a blank right now? Hard to say. Yeah, you just look at all the guys who drafted, like, 31st. Ed, like, they're pretty bad. Like, most of the guys on that Bakersfield team are AHL free agent pickups. Well, I mean, that's kind of like us, eh? We just get all these guys that no team wants, and then they just suck on our team instead. Yeah. Although, at least the... At the very least, uh, Belleville has a lot of Ottawa's prospects. Well, we'll like, have to uh, long Simone if uh, Gagne, Dorian Colin decides White. to trade guys off. Yeah. So I don't think it's as bad as the situation. I don't think our cupboard is as bare as Edmonton's. No. It's pretty bare, but I don't think it's uh, as bare as Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Well, so let's move on to our next story. The Vancouver Canucks have given general manager Jim Benning a three-year extension. This, is, this extension came after questions surrounding whether or not Benning would return as GM of the Canucks began to surface. Benning joined the Vancouver Canucks as GM on May 23, 2014. I think a lot of... I think you could really look at Jim Benning's time in Vancouver as very mixed because... Yeah, he brought in guys like Ryan Miller and Derek Dorsett. Like, he brought in a lot of guys who 
you more or less get paid on fundamentals and stuff that the fancy math can't calculate. And a lot of them have just totally blown up in their face. Now, he has drafted guys like Thatcher Denim. Is it Denver? I think the, so. The, um, I'm going to have to look that guy's name. I, it's Thatcher something or other. Uh, the big one was Brock Besser. Like, he drafted him. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to think about the Benning signing in Vancouver. Here's the thing that... I forget who said it, uh, but the thing is, is that G- GMs get fired at will. Yeah. So, I don't think these contract extensions are anything more than a way to bury a, un- an unfortunate story. Yeah, and I mean, Vancouver's coaching has been pretty decent with Travis Green, and I know I will have to go back and re-listen to one of the summer episodes we did last year where we're talking about this, and I said, you know, I, I really don't know what to make about Travis Green as a head coach. I understand he worked his way up through the American Hockey League, and I think had the Canucks continued their winning ways like they were in the beginning of the season, you would have seen Travis Green be nominated for Coach of the Year. Oh, for sure, but the problem is... Just there wasn't enough talent on that team. So, like, that was kind of lightning in the bottle, almost like... It was like a perverse... It was like if the Ottawa Senators' losing streak was winning. Because, like, the Ottawa Senators look a lot worse than they probably are as a team. While the Canucks, everything was going their way. Well, you also got to factor in that both Brock Besser and Bull Horvat were injured. Oh, for sure. Oh, by the way, I looked it up. Thatcher Demko. That's the goalie who Demko, I was trying to remember. okay. Yeah, I guess it's... That's the thing is... The Canucks, they have to get rid of some of those old guys and just keep getting the new blood in. Yeah, so, which they've been doing. You know, when they yeah, got rid of... Uh, who do they get rid of? Let's see. Hansen they got rid of. They got rid of Burroughs. <sighs> yeah, I... Maybe we will, too. Maybe. Smooth so our next story. The Calgary Flames have re-signed forward Michael Backlund to a six-year, $32.1 million extension with an AAV 5.35. Backlund, a potential Selkie Trophy candidate, has 10 goals, 24 assists for 34 points in 58 games at the time of the signing. Now, Tim, with you living in Calgary, what's the feeling in the city regarding this signing? Hard to say. It's a pretty okay signing. And I don't think anyone's too miffed about it. Toronto Maple Leafs, they have traded for Nikita Soshnikov to the St. Louis Blues for a 2019 fourth-round pick. Soshnikov had zero points in four games for the Leafs this season. He was set to return from injury reserved, which would have forced Toronto to have... which would have forced them to demote Kasperi Kaspinen. I'm surprised that he didn't end up on Stefan Robida Island. I am honestly surprised too, but... I mean, he's still 24 years old, and do you just think that this is one another scenario where Russian kid comes over, doesn't adjust well, or do you just think that he got buried on the depth chart in Toronto? Oh, it was a numbers game in Toronto. Just because so many good forwards hit it once. I don't think they gave up on him too early, and I also, I also think they didn't really need him anymore, so off he goes. And hopefully he plays well in St. Louis. They got to fill in that hole that PRV left. PRV never. Oh, that's no. I was gonna say PRV never played for Toronto, but he did play for the St. Louis Blues. Yes. All right, Tim. Now it's time to talk about some Sens news. Yay. Now, Tim, 
Are you ready for this? Are we going to play Blur? No, it's not Blur. The Ottawa Senators have traded Dio Fanouf and Nate Thompson to the Los Angeles Kings for Marion Gabrick and Nick Shore. Ottawa will retain 25% of Fanouf's contract. I think Ottawa got the right side of this trade. You know what? And I, look, I have no personal hard feelings towards Dion Phaneuf. Um, I really just judged him off the salary which he got paid and his just his skill set has diminished so much this past season. But you know what? From what I understand, he seems like a really nice guy. And so I have no hard feelings towards him. I do wish him all the best in LA. But you know what? I'm glad that we traded him, and I knew that Ottawa was going to have to get a bad contract back, which Gabrick has. I mean, he still has, I think, four years at close... I think he's either three years at close to $5 million per season. And Nick Shore definitely shores up the top six. Well, bottom. bottom well, the six. bottom six, yeah. Nick Shore is actually a really good depth player, so I'm surprised that we actually shoved out probably one of our worst depth players and a guy on an NMC, like a, like a needless no-trade clause in Nate Thompson. So Ottawa dumped two of its worst contracts and brought back the Marion Gabrick, which honestly, I think his contract is still better than Phaneuf's. It is, but you also got to factor in Gabrick is like five years older than Phaneuf. Oh, for sure. And they'll probably just buy him out in two or three years' time. But uh, we actually got to see glimpses of uh, Marion Gabrick uh, already this week, and I've I've been happy watching him. Oh, uh, absolutely. He's still got gas in the tank. Yeah, and I think he's been sort of been rejuvenated playing with guys like Mike Hoffman and Matt Duchesne. Oh, for sure. If we can keep uh, Hoffman, Duchesne, Gabrick, if it stays healthy, and Gabrick still has health in the tank, I think Ottawa has one of the better top sixes in the in the league going into next year. Yeah, if they keep that line together, though. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to our next story. The Ottawa Senators have traded Chris DiDomenico to the Chicago Blackhawks for defenseman Vili Pokona. DiDomenico had six goals, four assists, for 10 points in 24 games for the Senators this season. Now, it's kind of funny. Like, I messaged you earlier this week when I heard the news, and you were just like, lame. Well, apparently, the defenseman's good. Now, we'll just reclaim him off waivers next week. Honestly, pretty fucking much. Yeah. I, I love you. I just love your mindset there. Be like, okay, that kind of sucks. Heard this guy's good. Ah, we'll bring him back next week. He'll be fine. Yeah, like, Philly Polka apparently is doing quite well in the the Chicago AHL system, and uh, he comes up competently and uh, can play in a bottom six, sorry, in a bottom six defense role. So, yeah, I'm pretty happy with pretty happy with that return because D Dominico I've got a feeling his point scoring wasn't sustainable but at the same time he was still a good he was a good depth player and he could move up the lineup yeah I, I like Christy Domin I really like the Christy Dominico story I like him as a player he plays well and he's got a good hockey smarts but he's probably not that good at the end of the day no he did he's a he's a decent bottom six player and a v- extremely short-term top six player if we need him to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think uh, I think it was, it was either Trevor Shackles or one of the other uh, Sens guys summed up best. 
I really shouldn't care. I shouldn't be this angry about trading Chris D. Domenico, but here I am. I think it was Shackles. I think Shackles <laughs> ruled that. Yeah. Okay, on let's head on to our... Sorry, Tim. Yeah, let's head on to our last story. The Ottawa Senators owner, Eugene Melnick, has named himself... Oh, my God, that's right. He named himself CEO of the Senators. The position was vacated by Tom Anselmi in January. You know what? Seriously? So fucking Mickey Mouse. Honestly, like, and I think Pan from the Sense Call-Ups put it best. It's because I, I made a mention, and I made a mention to you, that Eugene Melnick, he's really becoming the Mr. McMahon of the NHL. Well, even worse, he's starting to look like the owner of those uh, 0-16 Cleveland Browns who uh, meddles so much in his team that they can never get anything going. Yeah, well, you know what? I mean, with Melnick now becoming the CEO, he can't fire himself as G- CEO. Yeah, and remember the last time, the last thing that happened when Melnick was a CEO of a company? Well, the company's not around anymore, is it? No, and I believe he got sanctioned pretty heavily. Honestly, I'm surprised the NHL didn't do anything after hearing that. Yeah. Honestly, I just picture myself thinking of Melnick walking through the offices on his first day as CEO with these, this theme song going. <laughs> oh, this is going to be so good. You know what? I should really start using this every time we talk about Melnick. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, that's so good. I'm just going to take it down a tiny bit. Okay, well, I guess that wraps up top of the hour, hey, Tim? Yep. All right, well, that wraps up top of the hour. It's time to head on to the games. We've got three games to talk about this evening. The Sens versus the Penguins, Sens versus the Sabres, and the Sens versus the Rangers. But before we do that, let's hit the music. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. Okay, Tim, it's time to start talking about the Ottawa Senators. But before we start talking about the Ottawa Senators, let's talk about Eugene Melnick one more time because I, I remember exactly what happened to Eugene Melnick when he was last CEO of a company, BioVale. What happened? They were sued by the United States Security and Exchange Commission for securities and accounting fraud. Jesus Christ, Repeatedly overstated earnings and hid losses in order to deceive investors and create the appearance of achieving earnings goals, when it ultimately became impossible to continue concealing the company's inability to meet its own earnings guides. BioVail actively misled investors and analysts about the reasons for the company's poor performance. The company settled for $10 million. You see, ladies and gentlemen, this is why you listen to the Third Line Plug Sensecast for tidbits like that. And then he was banned from being a... He was banned from senior roles at public companies in Canada for five years in May 2011, related to the SEC suit. Wow, that is insane, man. Yeah. Let's get back to this game. The Ottawa Senators versus the Pittsburgh Penguins. This was a 6-3 Penguins victory. Sense goals were scored by Derek Broussard, Matt Duchesne, and Colin White. Penguins goals were scored by Jake Gonzola, too. Zach Aston Reese scored his first NHL goal and his second NHL goal in this game. Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang. Shots were 33-28 for the Ottawa Senators. Pittsburgh dominated this game with their strong defensive play and breakout passes. While 
The Penguins may have beat the Sens on the scoreboard, they did not beat him in the shots department. Ottawa actually played a somewhat decent game creating scoring chances and they kept battling to try and get back into it. Now as like we were talking about at the top of the hour, uh, with two minutes left to go in the game, they announced Dion Phaneuf had been traded. What was kind of funny is uh, the LA Kings were playing uh, Pittsburgh the next, I think, uh, two days later. So Dion Phaneuf just hung out in Pittsburgh some more. Oh, seriously? Yeah. So <laughs> he just met up awesome. with the Kings in LA. That's not too bad. Not terribly. One thing I noticed was uh, early on in the game, I think Ottawa actually played a pretty decent defensive game, limiting the amount, limiting Pittsburgh to five shots in the first period. I thought so. I thought they actually played a pretty somewhat decent defensive game as well. Like the problem was, they just got te- the shots they did give up were they were doozies, and uh, Condon wasn't able to bail them out. Yeah, well, you know, Mike Condon, he got pulled after four goals on nine shots. Now, despite that, Craig Anderson actually looked pretty solid in the net for what action he got. Mm-hmm. Well, anytime you've got a 94% save percentage, you're having a hell of a game. Absolutely. Let's start talking about some of the lines. Hoffman, Duchesne, White, and of course, PRV McCormick and Dita Minico. Both those lines look solid in this game. Oh, that was so good to watch. Especially Hoffman Duchesne with Colin White. Now, I understand that they're going to be playing with Marion Gabrick now. And unfortunately, Colin White, he got sent down to Belleville. I'm not sure he got called back up. I don't know if you saw that at all, Tim. Yeah, he did. He got sent down, and I'm fine with that. He was playing really well in the NHL, but if they're not going to... They're going to put, like, Zach Smith in the top six instead of Colin White. I'd rather him get top six minutes in Belleville. Yeah. One guy who's not going down to Belleville anytime soon, Thomas Shabbat. He actually had a pretty decent game against the Penguins. Well, I think we could say that all week. Oh, we could, man. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I've I've been happy with Shabbat and, honestly, Borvietsky too. Yeah, I've been pretty happy with their performance so far this season. Yeah, you know what's amazing, though? What's that? Never again will we be subjected to the CC Phaneuf pairing. Actually, Trevor Shackle said that on his podcast earlier this past week. Because, yet again, that line was a fucking tire fire. Yeah, Cody well... Cody CC was on for yeah. three of the six goals against... Sorry, four of the six goals against. I lied. I hate when you lie, Tim. I do, too. But, uh, yeah, that CC Phaneuf line was pretty terrible. What's kind of funny, though, is uh, Dion Phaneuf had all of 11 minutes of ice time. <laughs> yeah, but he took a shot off the handle in this game. Honestly, I didn't get to watch the game all that closely because I was doing that stupid physical test during the first period. Uh, okay. So if, if I ever got too into the game, I'd start getting uh, overtaken by the treadmill. Ah, fair enough. Should we head on to our next game, Tim? I guess there's not too much to say about a 6-3 loss where your goalie played a 56% game. Absolutely. Now, one game I'm sure that you did absolutely watch, the Buffalo Sabres versus the Ottawa Senators. This is a 3-2 Senators overtime victory. Senators' goals were scored by Marion Gabrick, Derek Broussard, and Mike Hoffman in overtime. Which, by the way, I just want to point out, I don't know if anybody saw that on Twitter, uh, I'm wearing my Mike Hoffman jersey right now. Nice. 
Sabres goals were scored by Scott Wilson and Evan Rodriguez. Shots were 36-25 for the Senators. A pretty evenly played game by both teams. Game was evenly pretty boring. It's still even, Tim. <laughs> uh, the game was pretty close due to a combination of strong defensive play and solid goaltending by both Craig Anderson and Robin Leonard. Fucking Leonard. Buffalo did run into penalty trouble in this game. However, Ottawa was unable to score on any of their power plays. Let's get it out of the way. How about Marion Gabrick in this game? First game as a senator, he scores the tying goal at one and assists on the tying goal to make it 2-2. Honestly, he was dynamite that game. Actually, the Hoffman-Duchesne-Gabrick line was just fantastic out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I thought they were excellent. And, uh, yeah, they ate up 21 minutes. Actually, one guy that I really noticed had a pretty good game was Zach Smith. Yeah. They're showcasing him hard, and no mistakes. As much as, like, Borvietsky and Shabbat were victimized on a weird play on that first goal. Uh, like, the puck just bounce into, bounces into Borvietsky's stick area. He's not able to clear it. Kind of punches it into Shabbat's skates. And then it bounces off out of Shabbat onto uh, Wilson's stick, and he just goes right into the goal. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just a super weird, unfortunate goal. Yeah, because Craig Anderson, I mean, he did, he couldn't do anything on those shots. No. CC Clayson, uh, that didn't look good. Well, you know what? It could have been worse. Could have been fee- for nothing, CC. Yeah, well, they were almost as bad. So, Tim, I don't have any more notes to talk about this game. Should we go um, into our third and final game? Is there any, uh, anything I wanted to say? Uh... Oh, uh, Stone and Carlson were all over turnovers that night, too. Mm-hmm. Yes, they were. And uh, the, the Senators' penalty kill was actually fairly lucky to get out of that without giving anything up, either. Like, they just, they looked terrible. Like, uh, Buffalo was able to spend the entire two minutes in the Ottawa zone during Buffalo's last power play attempt. Yeah, it looked like they were applying a lot of heavy pressure on the Sens during that power play. Yeah, and that's actually one thing I noticed was when, once Buffalo established the pressure, Ottawa just wasn't able to get it off. And this Buffalo team, this Jack Eichel-less Buffalo team, doesn't get pressure very well. They're no. not very strong in the boards, don't move through the neutral zone, or even the offensive zone well. So it's kind of a sign of where Ottawa's defense and back-checking really is if this is the situation that's commonly occurring. Oh, sure. Uh, I just, just want to tell a quick story here before we go into our next game. I have a coworker of mine who's a Buffalo fan, and so he and I were trash-talking a little bit before the game started, and by the time the game had ended, I saw him walking in our building, and he sort of rubbed his the side of his head with his middle finger. <laughs> and I was just like, you, he didn't even tell me the score. I was like, yes! Oh, God, that, that game was terrible. So it was just hard to watch. Like, like, just even though there was a decent amount of shots and the game was flowing okay, it was just, there was a lot of botched plays by both teams. Right. And it was just like, okay, come on. Set, just lose already. Let's get this over with. Although that Gabrick goal was something. Like, the ga- first Gabrick goal and uh, the Hoffman, la- like that beautiful Carlson pass to Hoffman with the laser. Right. 
it did make up for it, but I was just like, I spent an hour and five minutes on this. Well, Tim, let's talk about a game that wasn't terrible. New York Rangers versus the Ottawa Senators. This is a 6-3 to three sentence victory, and our record as a two wins per sentence cast, still intact. Sentence goals were scored by Mark Stone, Johnny Oduya, Matt Duchesne, Derek Broussard, Thomas Shabbat, and Magnus Piarvi. Rangers goals were scored by Michael Grabner with two and Mika Sabinjad. Shots were 38-33 for the New York Rangers. A pretty good game by both teams. Ottawa at times in this game dominated the Rangers who were playing a very young defense core, and it showed with Mark Stone scoring on the game's first shot to make it one nothing Senators. The Rangers started started the game tired, but they got their feet going by the end of the first period. Once again, the Hoffman-Duchene-Gabrick line. Fantastic! And we also can't forget, Mark Stone and Tom Shabbat were the real MVPs of this game. I didn't get a chance to watch this one. Really? Yeah, it was oh, busy you missed all a Saturday. Hell of a game, man. Yeah, I was just like, I guess I was just so burnt out after the Buffalo game. I'm like, I guess I'll take today off. And I picked the wrong fucking day. Because this game looked like it was awesome. Well, you know what? New York has always been one of those teams that we've always played well against. Even during our playoff run last spring. Mm-hmm. And then New York looks like it's a... Well, they've kind of thrown in the towel on this season to boot, and they've signaled to uh, their season ticket holders that they're doing the full rebuild with a heartfelt letter to the fans. I didn't see the letter. I know that it was sent out, but I haven't got a chance to read it. Yeah, it's just a, a very nice... It's like, you've always been here to have our backs. We're going to do right by you. Uh, we recognize this year that we aren't we aren't what we want to be, and we won't be what we want to be going forward. So we're going to rebuild. Oh, that's fair enough. I mean, fuck, it's more than what Eugene Melnick would have done for us. Well, it's funny because I believe the Sens actually tried a copycat announcement from uh, Dorian, but it kind of fell flat. Lundqvist had a terrible game. You know what? I'm going to give Hendrik Lundqvist the benefit of the doubt because New York was playing a very young decor. Plus, Hendrik really didn't have a lot of help in front of him in that game. I guess, but any game where you're at 80%, some of that's on you. Yeah, but you got to look at the team. You, I mean, granted, you got to evaluate the goaltending too, but you also got to look at the players in front of them. Oh, for sure. Like, I wouldn't expect him to have like a 90, 92%, but when you're getting down to about 80%, some of that's on the goalie. Yeah. And I do. we do have to recognize that uh, Henrik Lundqvist has been very good for very long. Well, I mean, he's been their rock in New York since 2005. Because mm-hmm. I think with him and goal, I think they've only missed the playoffs once. Once since 2005-06. Yeah. And, New York, and like, they've gone to the Stanley Cup Finals. They've been perennial, perennially dangerous in the playoffs. Like, Henrik Lundqvist has had an amazing career. Oh, he just sure. had an off game. Yeah. And you know what? The best always have an off day. Mm-hmm. One goal I do want to talk about was Mika Zibanejad's goal, because this was just a bad one on Craig Anderson. Anderson came out to poke check it when the puck was loose, and he totally botched it, and Zibanejad scored. Yeah. it that It's weird, because like it, that's just kind of the season Andy's had, but uh, it's interesting, because sometimes the Senators are able to bail him out. Like, uh, 
remember, I, I don't think it was Hoffman's last overtime goal, but the one before it where Anderson completely bobbled the freeze, but Hoffman picked up the puck, went coast to coast, dumped it in the other net. Yeah, it was the, not this one, but it was the other one with Hoffman scoring an OT. Yeah, that was the Preds, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, but most of the most of the season, the Suns just really haven't been able to do that. No. Uh, so, for me, I only have one more note to go on before we can close out this game. Michael Grabner. Now, Michael Grabner has always been a guy that I've always liked, even since his early days in Vancouver, and it's been really unfortunate he has not been able to really be a mainstay in the NHL because in Vancouver it looked like a combination of got he got lost in the shuffle plus he wasn't adapting well to the North American game. Now, granted, Cody Hodgson was doing the exact same thing except with the whole getting lost in the shuffle. He was just not a very good player. And then, of course, he goes to the Islanders, scores 34 goals. So I've I've somewhat followed Gabbard, not Gabbard, Grabner's career right up until he played for the Rangers, and I'm always impressed with him every time I see him play. So, and I know we've got to talk about some trade rumors here in a few minutes. If, say, the Ottawa Senators made a trade with the New York Rangers, I hope, I hope Michael Grabner is a part of that deal going to Ottawa because I would love to see him play for the Senators. Well, what's Grabner's contract situation? I don't know. I can quickly look this up if you want to go into talking about some trade rumors. Yeah, although I don't see Ottawa and uh, New York as dance partners unless it's a three-way trade. Yeah, because both of them have the same modus operandi. They're both they're both mass sellers at this point. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Like I don't think they'd pick up a. I don't think they'd pick up a center from New York. I don't. I guess. Believe, no, I was gonna ditch. say I don't believe that Grabner's a. Wing, I think he's a winger, not a centerman. Oh, he's a winger. Okay. Let's have a look here. Uh, yeah, he plays right wing, so he would have played behind Mark Stone and Bobby Ryan if he had played for the Senators. And Gabrick. And Gabrick, you, you know. Yeah, so you'll just get lost in the shuffle in Ottawa. Yeah, it's a shame. I mean, he's a very good goal scorer. If you ever look at his stats, I think currently he has... I can't remember his stats, but he has like four assists and he has like 18 goals. Yeah. So the guy knows how to put the puck in the net. Mm-hmm. Well, the hard thing is it's just... Ottawa's right wing is super crowded, especially with an underperforming Bobby Ryan. And yeah, it's a shame Bobby because Ryan's I'm really... injured at the moment. Pardon? Bobby Ryan's injured at the moment, though. Again? Well, I guess the hard thing with Bobby Ryan is that he get, he always, like, once he starts getting go, like, every time he's been injured, it takes him a few games to get back, but once he does, he he's usually, he's been fairly productive this season once he gets his mojo going. Oh, for sure. Uh, so I am looking at Michael Grabner's contract situation at the moment. He's getting paid uh, $1.65 million for this season, and he is going to be a UFA on July 1st. Okay, so... If he can do left-right wing, maybe there's a spot for him in Ottawa. Yeah, like say if Ottawa goes and trades and trades away somebody like, I don't know. Like if if some team were to take Bobby Ryan, for example, I could see Grabner playing in a bottom six role in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. Because let's be honest, I, th- I think Mark Stone should be the top-line center in Ottawa. Sorry, the top, line, top winger? No, Mark Stone is the top-line winger. 
Yeah, you said centerman. No, I, th I thought Grabner was the centerman. No, center's a right winger. Okay. Well, that's thought, the interesting thing is uh, Smith's pro smart money right now is uh, Zach Smith's probably not making out of the making it out of the week as a center. No, I don't see him. I don't see Derek Brazard. I think I see Brazard being traded, uh, being the most likely one because you know with every with all the criticism against Bobby Ryan and his play uh, over this past, especially last season and this season, there hasn't been a lot of criticism on Derek Brazard, and I think. Last season, and I talked about it, I said I'm going to give Brazard the year and we'll see how he plays and then we'll judge him after that. But he really has been sort of low-key putting up points, but he hasn't been the difference maker that Ottawa hoped he would when they traded him to from New York no. to Ottawa for Mika Zibanejad. Because Zibanejad was sort of hit and miss in Ottawa. And then he goes to New York and he really develops into the number one center that they've always wanted. I wonder how much that has to say about the way Ottawa develops players. Maybe. Yeah, and I guess the hard thing with Broussard is uh, his production really has fallen off since his best years in New York, and uh, he's 30. It's yeah. not going to get better. Absolutely not. And I still say move Broussard now because at center, you know, you have Logan Brown, Colin White, and Philip Shalapik. Like, those three guys could make the sins next season if they trade Zach Smith. I, I know Smith's a winger, but, you know, he's a natural center. And Broussard, and, of course, Jean-Gabriel Pajot. Mm -hmm. Well, the thing as is... As much uh... as I like Pajot, I don't... You know what? Honestly, maybe it's time to go. Um, as much of a fan favorite Pajot is, and I, I do like Pajot, and I would love for him to stay, but looking at the Senators' center... Like center depth right now, he will get lost in the shuffle if we don't deal him. Mm hmm. Uh, yeah. Like Zach Smith's definitely gone. Uh, most uh, Calgary apparently has been very high on Zach Smith, which I don't understand because they already have Trey Troy Brower. But if they want to give us picks, huh, more power to him. Absolutely. Uh, we could probably get a third for Zach Smith. I I'd be okay with that. Yeah, like a second is probably more. If we get a second, we won the trade. If the thing is, though, is there's not too many teams that would give us a second round pick unless it's one of the one of the really higher up teams like the Penguins or one of these teams that could be like, yeah, we're going on a deep playoff run, so we're going to be drafting around the eh, give or take early to mid twenties. So here, we'll just give you a second round pick for Zach Smith. Oh, for sure. Like if a team, if Calgary's stupid enough to overpay for Zach Smith, happy days. Yeah, because we're the ones going to get the draft pick in the end. Yep. Uh, Derek Broussard, uh, the, uh, Pittsburgh has shown interest. Uh, Pittsburgh has been... Pittsburgh has really felt the loss of Nick Benino this season. Mm-hmm. And ooh, I think it was St. Louis. I think somebody was saying that Broussard's asking price would be our first-round pick, uh, a top prospect, and something else. And I'm thinking... For Derek Broussard, really? Well, that could always be like the Donald Trump ask, where it's obviously retarded, but there's negotiable room. Like, I think if we get like a first or second and a roster player, that'd be good enough for Broussard. Mm -hmm. uh, like Broussard, he's, he's still on pace for get up to 40, 50 points this season. Not terrible. 
Like, no. he's already matched his season total last year. Yeah, but I mean, really, uh, we we all knew that he's mostly just going to be a placeholder until guys like Shabbat and Colin White were developed enough to bring it up to the NHL. Mm-hmm. Well, he was definitely a win-now pickup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a shame that... Well, I guess we can't really re- keep renegotiating that trade. But, uh, yeah, I've got... If odds are, I, I think uh, Pittsburgh would be more more into Brassard than St. Louis, but Yeah, we'll see. because I see St. Louis is very interested in Mike Hoffman. I've heard that the like the organization, it seems like they've really backpedaled on that Mike Hoffman is available. Yeah, because I mean, and you know what? We've been saying it here on the show, right? When you see him play with Matthew Shane and now he has Marion Gabrick, like that's a pretty decent line. And I mean, the asking price for Hoffman was pretty high and i know st louis was heavily in the running for him i heard edmonton was in the running for him uh which by the way our buddy ridge on twitter because I, I put out the selfie with me in my shirt and he goes you know not gonna lie you know he says admit it he would look good in the edmonton uniform <laughs> i want to tweet him back and be like i will admit nothing unless There's you're gonna to unless admit. you're gonna send us leon dreisaitl i will never admit to anything mm-hmm I guess, like, the hard thing is, uh, yeah, I guess that's the thing, though, is uh, you're never going to, like, it'll take forever to find another Mike Hoffman. Yeah, and he's got a very team-friendly contract, too. Oh, for sure. Um, And it's interesting, though, because Bob McKenzie has suggested that he's not going anywhere. The Sportsnet panel was uh, incredulous that Ottawa was even thinking about trading him. Well, did you see that Nick Kiprios was saying on Twitter that he expects Carlson to be traded by the trade deadline. Oh, Kip is full of shit. Yes, he is. Uh, let's talk about one more player before we head into the close. Uh, we were talking about the Rangers. Rick Nash. Rick Nash at the moment is one of the, the number one trade bait going into the deadline. So with his contract and how old he is, like where do you, who do you see picking him up? I really don't know. Like I, who even has space? Unless, well, unless I mean, New, New York, York will keeps do it, Ottawa does, and retain salary. That's the only way I see this trade getting done. Yeah, because he's he's UFA at the end of the season, right? No, I think he's got like three, four years left on his contract, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Um, I guess other players that Ottawa probably would like to shop, uh, Johnny Oduya, uh, if they could get rid of Dumont, that'd be amazing. Uh, other than that, uh, I can't really think of anyone else that's gone from the Senators that we haven't already mentioned. Nope. Okay, so I'm just looking up Rick Nash. Uh, $7.8 million. He is... Uh, hold on a second. I think his contract... Exp- no. No, never mind. His contract expires after this coming season. Yes, yeah, so. but however, he's got a modified no trade clause and uh, no movement clause too. Yeah, so he'll probably want to go to a contender. Yeah, I'm hearing a lot of rumors about Toronto, but I don't see the the Maple Leafs giving away their young players for a Rick Nash. Yeah, and I don't also don't really see where Rick Nash fits in their lineup. No, 
because their top six is pretty well spoken for between Matthews, Marner, Hyman, Nylander, Marlowe. Yeah, like it's a pretty full top six, so I don't really see where Nash fits on the Maple Leafs. For sure. Is there really even a contender who's... Rick Nash is on left wing, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I... Is there anyone that's... Well, I guess the Penguins are a bit weak on the wing. Well, Phil the Thrill really helps there. But uh, Patrick Hornquist has been having a hell of a down season, so maybe Rick Nash ends up on the Penguins. Maybe. Although, uh, yeah. although you get a factor in the Rangers are in the same division as the Penguins. Yeah, but they're so far out of contention, it doesn't matter. Yeah, fair enough. And the Rangers can eat as much salary as they want. Mm-hmm. Because it's off the books this season. So what do they care? Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I guess. Is there any other? Yeah, I don't think there's. Oh, Cody Cece. Do you think he moves? Uh, depends on where he goes. Uh, I'm not sure what you would get for him. However, now I think next week is the trade deadline, correct? Yes. Okay, so we're going to mention it right here, right now. Next week for top of the hour, all trade deadline trades. And, I mean, unless there's, like, only a handful of them, then we'll throw in some news stories. But, yeah, for the most part, we're just talking some trades. Yep. None of that depressing concussion stuff. Absolutely not. So, Tim, now that we've talked about the trade rumors, should we head into the close for another episode? Sounds about right, buddy. Awesome. Well, guys, I just want to say thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I hope you enjoy them because, believe me, Tim and I love recording them for you. You can find us on iTunes. Please listen, rate, and subscribe. We are on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash Sensecast. Because our bot Dave made the mention, we are on Google Play Music. You can find us on Twitter. At Third Line Plug is our Twitter handle. Tim is at M901 Honey Badger. I am at Great White Gipster, G-R-8-W-A-T-E Gipster. If you want to shoot us an email to talk about some trade deadline trades, you want to talk about how much the UG Mellick hates this team, or you want to throw in some trade proposals of your own, choose an email, thirdlineplugsensecast at gmail.com. Okay, Tim, so we've got four games on the schedule for this coming week. We've oh, got... Louise. I know, right? Uh, we got, at the time of this recording, tonight's game versus the National Predators, Wednesday in Chicago to play the Blackhawks, Thursday versus the Tampa Bay Lightning, and Saturday versus the Philadelphia Flyers. And speaking about Nashville, Max McCormick just scored. Excellent. I like, you know what? I like Max McCormick. Uh, he's, he's okay. A, he's a shit disturber. I like him. <laughs> he's, he'll never be Avery tier. No. I should really reread that book. That's actually a really good one. Oh, it's fun. Absolutely. Until next week, Tim, I am your host, Taylor Gibson. And this is Tim Jensey. Go Sens, guys. My time here is up. They're going home.